Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves. Do you want to know how to better study God's Word? Then participate in one of our free online workshops or join one of our online Bible studies. There's tons of times and options to choose from. Head to our website to register now at www.preceptministries.ca. On our website, you can also get connected to our social media pages and join our email list to stay updated on the many things God is doing through Preset Ministries. We want to hear from you. If you have been impacted by these podcasts, then we want to know. Email us your testimonies to info at preceptministries.ca. We can't wait to hear about how God is working in your life. Now, stay tuned for Unlocking the Truth, a study on the book of Jonah. Hello, everyone. It's Mark Sheldrake here again, Unlocking the Truth podcast, a ministry of Precept Ministries in Canada. This week, we're going to be looking at our final episode, chapter four of the book of Jonah. Looking forward to what God has for us in this message. And let me tell you, another challenging week in the word. Uh, Before we get started, I want to encourage you with a couple things that are happening in the ministry that you can participate in. The first is our Dig Deeper study program coming up in mid-July. You can check out our website, preceptministries.ca. We have workshops and training for you to participate in that are for those wanting to learn how to study the Bible for themselves, Uh, skills workshops like how to study the New Testament letters, how to study Old Testament history, and Old Testament prophecy. We also have some leadership workshops that you can take part in. And uh, there are leadership workshops for new uh, people, like a 40-minute Bible study, if you want to lead that and disciple others. We also have one on Precept Upon Precept, which is our our cream of the crop Bible study, our top line Bible study, as we would call it. And you can participate in that. There are some prerequisites before attending that, so I'd encourage you to apply uh, today. Also, if you are a seasoned leader and you've been participating with us uh, in the ministry for a number of years, uh, I want to encourage you to look on our website and find out about leadership skills. This is going to be a study of the book of Philippians, but we'll be teaching you some great skills and tools Uh, to really engage your students in the Word uh, come this fall. So check out that in uh, July on our website. Also, where are we headed in the podcast? I've mentioned this a couple times uh, already, but I thought I would just uh, share a little bit more with you before we uh, get going um, with it in launching in just a couple of weeks. So I've had the opportunity and the blessing to... Um, be a participant and sharing a sermon series with a a local church here in Ontario. And uh, I've recorded all of those uh, sermons, and we're going to release them uh, through our podcast, which uh, the sermon series is called Resolve. And it is looking at the first six chapters of the book of Daniel in light of where we are in our culture today. If you think quickly, I don't want to review all of it because you'll you'll get it in just a couple of weeks. But first and foremost, Daniel was living in a foreign culture, taken away, taken by the Babylons. 
And just in the very first few steps of chapter one, Daniel is uh, being encouraged or being pushed to be conformed to the culture that he's living in. And that's what we're going to look at is how do we resolve to remain faithful to God and his word in a culture that so seeks to conform us to itself. And so I want to encourage you that if you are listening in on a regular basis, that you would not just listen yourself, but you would study the first six chapters of the book of Daniel. And you can do that through the Precept Upon Precept Bible study on Daniel. Just part one. That's all you need is part one. Also, you can study through the in and out, uh, which is just a, a simpler, less homework Bible study. And that is part one as well. You could also participate in joining us through using the new inductive study series, and you'd be working through the first six weeks of that book. And then finally, finally, folks, if you have children or you have grandchildren and you're concerned about where we are headed in the world, knowing, yes, that God is sovereign, God is in control, but you want to have your grandchildren or children prepared to stand firm uh, in the midst of what we are going through, then you could have them study the D4Y children's study called A Brave Man Daniel. And if you have teens, we actually have a Bible study that is four weeks that will go really well with Resolve called Resolve. And it's a study guide. You can find out all of the information on this on our website. Click on the podcast link and you'll find out more. Emails coming out soon. So if you're not on our mailing list, join our mailing list and all the information for Resolve will be there. We have already recorded five weeks of this and I'm looking forward to uh, taking us right through into the middle of September uh, with this series on the podcast. Normally we stop through the summer, but man, I just am feeling the Lord calling us and convicting to, to make uh, people aware of how to stand with resolve in the midst of what we're seeing happen in the world. All right, without further ado, let me give this time to the Lord and uh, we can look at Daniel chapter 4. Father, we do thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity to, to bring this, uh, out, this ministry out through the internet. We thank you for uh, the development of the technology to be able to do this. Lord, I pray for those who are listening today that they would be encouraged uh, by what you have coming through your word, through the life of Jonah, and through your character, God. I pray that you would give me the words that you want to be heard, that if there's uh, individuals listening to this podcast that need encouragement and need challenge in their life, that you would do so through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, here we go. We're getting right into Jonah chapter 4. This book of Jonah, uh, I just remember studying Jonah in Bible college and thinking through uh, what was, you know, the end of this book and and Jonah and his attitude and, you know, the question that we I wrote a paper on in, in university was like, was Jonah really saved? You know, was he really 
was his heart really transformed when he was in the water? Was he, was he really the, the servant who wanted to go and share the message of God with the people of Nineveh? Did he really love his enemies? Did he really want them to be saved? And what's up with the ending? And these were all the questions that I had when I was walking through uh, Jonah uh, way back when in in my university days, and I can re- I can't remember what my professor uh, put down on the paper. I just remember he said something like, "You know, hey, this would have been an A if it wasn't for your punctuation." So so I know I didn't get an A simply because I didn't probably have didn't have enough periods in there. Whatever the case is. Uh, it was a challenging thing to look at back then, and even a challenging thing to look at again now, uh, just looking at the heart of Jonah and the comparison between between him and God when it comes to the people of Nineveh. So let's look first, and we're going to go back to chapter 3. We know that Jonah went and he preached the message, and there was this great transformation. We talked about that previously uh, in the last episode, this great awakening that occurred in Nineveh, even to the point of government was transformed, and God relented. And that's what it tells us in verse 10 of chapter 3. It says, when God saw their deeds, that they turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. And then, you know, I always say this, I say this uh Quite often, doesn't matter where I'm teaching this, I feel like the word but is one of the greatest words in the Bible because uh, it tells us that there's a contrast coming. Sometimes that contrast is good. If you've been listening to the podcast for a very long time, you'd know that one of my favorite verses comes from the book of Ephesians. It tells us about how we were in our sin, we were in our, you know, in our misery, we're following after the power of the prince of the air, but God in his grace and his mercy. So that's like, okay, here's the negative, then here comes the positive. It's, it's reversed in the book of Jonah. The, the positive comes in the compassion of God in verse 10 of chapter 3, and then the but comes the negative with Jonah. And see, it says in verse uh, four, that even though God relented on Nineveh and he let them live and he did not judge them and destroy them because their hearts were changed, that God was gracious and compassionate on them. The first thing we see in chapter four is we see, but it greatly displeased Jonah and he became angry. So you see right here, and I remember writing in that, in that university paper, and I'm sharing this with you right now. This is why Jonah was a reluctant servant to, to share the message that God had. Because in Jonah's mind, his intent the whole time was for these enemies to be destroyed because of the way they had treated the northern kingdom. Because of the way that they had treated God's people. Jonah was taking it into his own hands in the hopes that they would be destroyed and that God would not relent on them because they are bitter enemies. And when God brought compassion on Nineveh, Jonah, Jonah, angry, he's displeased 
with the compassion of God. This really brings about the whole title of what I had for kind of this podcast, which was questioning the will of God. Uh, Can you think about a time in your life where God has clearly laid out what he has called you to do and, and you question that very thing? You see, when we question the will of God, it's not that we may not recognize that God's fully sovereign. We may know that in our mind, that God is sovereign in control, that God has the best for us, that, that God wants us to just follow in obedience to him. But when we question him, does it not come down to the matter of trust? Do we trust that God has our best intentions in mind when he calls us to do something and calls us to obedience? I can remember a time when uh, my relationship with the Lord, and and I'm not talking about, you know, this uh, dedication and rededication kind of thing that people talk about, but when you really are questioning the word of God. I remember clearly when I was a young man in, you know, around 17 or 18 years old that God was calling me to ministry and that when God was calling me to ministry, he said really three things. I very much pictured um, a vision from God, uh, an audible voice that showed me three things, just like the writing on the wall in the book of Daniel. And let me tell you, I had never studied the book of Daniel and the writing on the wall in chapter five. I'd never even known about that story. And yet I saw so clearly in, when God called me into ministry that I saw so clearly on a board uh, three things. One, that I would lead many. Two, that I would teach many. And then three, that I would write for many. These are three things that I saw on the board. And, and in my obedience, I remember talking to my youth, youth pastor about these things. And I talked to him and he, he shared that, you know, this is probably a call from God and we should pursue that call from God. Do you know that when I went off to university in the first year, that I probably was not mature enough to go off to university and I failed out of university. And when in that time when I failed out of university in my first year, I didn't really attend class much, which probably is one of the results of not uh, being able to continue on, right? You got to attend, you got to learn. I was, you know, okay in my education, let's say, probably a C student in high school. And then going off to university was quite an adjustment. But here I was at the end, failed out, sitting on uh, the front porch of my house with uh, with Jessica, who was my girlfriend at the time. And I would just say, I don't understand. God called me to do ministry. And I would question God's will. I'd question his call on my life. God, do you really want me to do this? If you wanted me to do this, why did I fail out of university? I remember going and working in a factory for, for over a year trying to determine what was God, was God really telling me that I would lead many, teach many, and write for many. I would question God's will in everything. 
And, and it happened again when I had left uh, full-time pastoral ministry and I was trying to walk the road of being a police officer. I would question God again and say, God, you told me that this was the call upon my life and, and yet here I am. None of this is coming to fruition. I was angry and d- displeased. God, you told me that I would lead many, teach many, and write for many. And all of it, Lord, is not coming true. All of it. And I would be angry and questioning whether God was really calling me to do what I was doing. And the funny part is I would get into all of these interviews and things with the police department I could never pass. I could never get past certain sections of the police testing and the police um, preparation courses. Every job that I went to, everything that I tried to do outside of following after lead many, teach many, write for many, everything I attempted to do failed. I will never forget sitting in uh, an interview for Big Brothers and Big Sisters where the director, who was a Christian, she sat down with me and she said, you are perfect to be the mentor for putting together adults and young, uh, young children, you know, bo- brothers and sisters, putting them together with these, with these adults. You have all of the education for this. You can do this. It was, it's perfect for you. And I left that interview and I called Jessica and I said, finally, I'm getting out of the factory. I'm going to get this job with big brothers and big sisters. She called me the next day, the director of big brothers and big sisters, and she said, God told me not to hire you. And I sat in my car after that interview and I cried. I couldn't believe that I could not be able to get that job. I was so excited to get that job. Let me tell you how God protected me really quickly in that. It was shortly after that that director resigned and they found out that there was all kinds of corruption at the board level in this big brother and big sister program and it was shut down. It was shut down in our local town. But this woman was clearly told by God not to hire me. Why? Because God called me to lead many, teach many, and write for many. And here I was outside of the will of God, questioning the will of God until one point of just surrender. And that's when I met the directors of Precept. And they hired me, and, and they didn't hire me for the role that I'm in now. I did a, you know, a couple different, different jobs, and eventually I started to teach and travel around the country. I started to uh, do some writing for our regular newsletter, and I would get some information back and encouragement for people. And then one day, uh, K. Arthur asked, would you write a book that is so passionate uh, in your heart? And I did. I wrote that book. That, that Bible study now is in many different languages. I've seen that Bible study in Spanish, in French, in German, in Dutch, in Moldovan. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable the number of areas 
ignite your passion for God has gone. It blows my mind. But today I sit here and I'm recording a podcast that's going out to thousands of people. Lead many, teach many, write for many in the will of God. Jonah. Jonah called to preach a message of repentance to show that God, these people in their heart change, that God is compassionate. He does that reluctantly and he's angry. I kind of picture Jonah sitting on a hill, you know, sitting on a hill looking over Nineveh with a bowl of popcorn, getting ready for the hellfire and brimstone to rain down from heaven on Nineveh. Yes, I did what I was called to do. You see, then he left, waiting for God to just rain judgment down on Nineveh. And it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. God is gracious and compassionate because of heart transformation, and Jonah is ticked off. Uh, in, in my notes, uh, let, me, let me give you verses uh, 2 and 3, and then we'll, we'll come back. Okay, so it greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish, for I knew that you are gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning this calamity. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. And then God says, do you have a good reason to be angry? It's absolutely amazing. Hey, hey God, I didn't want to go to Nineveh. I didn't want to go there because I knew what the outcome was already. Do you get the, do you get the, the pride and the arrogance that comes in those comments that he knew that God would be gracious and compassionate? He didn't know how the Ninevites would respond to the message. But he knew that if the Ninevites responded in favor, that God would be compassionate. Uh, that, just, uh, that just blows my mind. What blows my mind about this passage is that Jonah would rather die than live. Uh, I had to kind of look deeper into this and understanding and some commentary uh, people believe that this prayer uh, emulates and sounds a lot like the, the prayer that Elijah had in Kings and Moses had in Numbers about, about wishing to die. But the, the irony of this prayer, this irony of I would rather uh, die than live, if you think back to Jonah chapter 2 when he, he was praying that God, you know, my life is ebbing away, I'm losing my life, rescue me. And in here... He is now praying that he would rather die. Some believe that what you have here is you have Jonah really who, who knows God, understands God, but is questioning why, questioning why God would relent and be compassionate on the enemies of Israel. And yet Israel, through the Ninevites and the Assyrians, where, where basically the northern kingdom was destroyed. 
So, so Jonah is wondering and really questioning God's will in all of this. He's questioning, why would you spare the people who have brought so much heartache on the Israelites? Uh, not really fully understanding grace. Listen to what uh, one individual says regarding this. He says, uh, we see bad theology, uh, how it can lead to despair. If the Israelites had not had a knowledge and understanding of God, an understanding that among other things tied together much closely to faith in God and social, political, e economic prosperity, they would have been better enabled to, e to cope with the realities of life. But what, what, what's the commentary saying to us here? The saying is that when we have a better understanding of the sovereignty of God through the study of God's word, we can better respond to the will of God and when things happen in our lives. When we're fully found, when we, our full foundation is on the word of God. This is why it's so important for us to be people who study the Old Testament because if we really want to get to know God, we've got to study the, those uh, Old Testament books. When we want to learn how to live out the truth of God's word, we want to study the New Testament books. You see, we need to have a better understanding of God and his will how God works, how God interacts with his people, how God interacts with us. And you see in this passage, uh, uh, Jonah would rather give it up, give everything up, than to live. It's just amazing. I've, in, in my notes here, I've got in the margin of my Bible, I, I have that Jonah is acting like a child. He's pouting. Because things are not going his way. Uh, one way we can look at this is Jonah is acting more like an unbeliever than he is a believer. Jonah is outside of Nineveh and he is not finding joy in the fruit that has come through his labor. Can you imagine that? A prophet who went and shared the word of God with people that brought great transformation, he finds no joy in that, but he is displeased and angry at God because of the very message that he preached. Repent. Repent. Walk away from your sins. And they did. And he's angry, joyless, like a little child who didn't get their way. This is Jonah. We're seeing the heart of Jonah in chapter 4. God sent the greatest awakening under the preaching of a man who did not even love the soul of the people he was preaching to. Can you imagine? <laughs> Can you imagine that? I just love that quote. I've got to read to you again. That God sent a great awakening under the preaching of a man 
who didn't even love the people he preached to. It, we can't help but stop and pause here just, just for a moment and, and, and do some, some quick comparisons. Uh, to compare our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to Jonah. All right, so, so how are they comparable? So they're comparable in a couple of ways. Uh, first, in Matthew chapter 12, verses 39 to 41, uh, we have where, where Jesus really is um, first quoting, quoting uh, Jonah. We talked about this in week one, but let's look and see what we have here. He says, but um, Jesus answered, verse 39, and said to them, an evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign, and yet no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. For just as Jonah was in uh, three days and three nights in the belly of the sea, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the sea. Uh, The comparison where they are similar is uh, in death, burial, and resurrection. Where, where Jonah was at the, in the heart of the sea. He was in the, in the belly of the sea monster for three days and three nights, and then he was vomited up on dry land. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, crucified on the cross. He was buried and after three days, he, he resurrected from the dead. The, these are, are one thing where they are in comparison. Jesus is greater than Jonah because Jesus is the Son of God. Where Jonah was a prophet of God, Jonah's ministry from Scripture is to Nineveh. But Jesus and his ministry was to the whole world. His outreach for his message goes to the whole world and not one city. You see, Jesus in in his sacrifice compared to Jonah, Jesus in his sacrifice, uh, Jesus died to save all from sin. What we see in Jonah is when he went to Nineveh, a city was saved. Uh, Here's the the greatest difference between the two. Are you ready? Do you got a pen? You want to make note of this? The greatest difference between Jonah and Jesus is that Jesus loved Jesus the people he was bringing the message to. That's the greatest difference between the two of them. His greater love was for those he was giving the message to when they didn't deserve it. And Jonah didn't love the people he was giving the message to. 
He wanted to see them destroyed. You see, in all of this, I want to walk you through some scriptures to show you the difference between Jonah and God. And you need to see this, and you need to hear this. You need to follow along with this, because there is a huge difference between Jonah and God. Before we get to those verses, let me bring you up to verse 8. Jonah went out from the city and sat at the east of it. There he made a shelter for himself and sat under it in the shade until he could see what would happen to the city. The Lord God appointed a plant, and it grew over Jonah to be shade over his head and to deliver him from his discomfort. Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. But God appointed a worm when dawn came the next day, and it attacked the plant, and it withered away. When the sun came up, uh, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint, and he begged with all his soul to die saying, death is better than me, to me than life. Then verse 9 says, Then God said to Jonah, Do you have good reason to be angry about the plant? And he said, I have good reason to be angry even to death. Verse 10 says, Then the Lord said, You had compassion on the plant for which you did not work, and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. Should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between the right and the left hand, as well as many animals? Jonah had greater compassion for a plant he had nothing to do with than he did for the people of Nineveh. When that plant withered up and died and the sun and the scorching heat took his comfort away, he became angry. Jonah had more compassion for the plant. Not according to me, according to God. You love that plant more than you love the people of Jonah, of Nineveh, sorry. You getting a, getting a picture in the heart of of Jonah questioning the will of God listen to listen to these verses listen listen to what God tells us in his word about himself when it comes to to love and compassion for his people for his creation Ezekiel chapter 33 verse 11 say to them as i live declares the lord the Lord God, that I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back. Turn back from your evil ways. Why then will you die, O house of Israel? Do you hear it? Do you hear it in God's, God's message through, through Ezekiel? Turn back. I take no pleasure in the wicked, being destroyed. Ezekiel chapter 33, 11. Look at uh, Jonah chapter 4, verse 11, which we just read. Should I not have compassion 
on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right and their left hand, as well as many animals. How about John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. What about 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4? Starting in verse 3, it says, This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. Did you hear it? All men to be saved. This is the heart of God. Second uh, Peter chapter 3, uh, verse 9. Second Peter 3, verse 9. In Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slow about his promises. Some count slowness. But he's patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. You see, are you getting a sense of the heart of God? Do you see what God wants for, for his people? Well, let me sum it up for you in, in the simplest of terms. God wants a heart in pursuit of him than in pursuit of sin. He wants your heart. He doesn't want to, to rain down his wrath on his people. He wants his people to turn to him. He wants his creation to, to follow after him. His, his first plan is not wrath. His, his first plan is, is the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross for you and for me for our sins. This is the desire that he wants. He wants to restore back to the Garden of Eden, like with Adam and Eve, walking in presence with him, a place of no sin. That's what he wants. But God is a just God. And God will judge sin. You see, here, here's the, one, of the, one of the greatest things that uh, came out of, of my study in, in Jonah chapter 4. God's compassion and his grace on people. Did you know that through this book of Jonah, and we've looked at the, the sovereignty of God. Did you know that everything in creation obeys the word of God? Except human beings. Uh, take, a, take a study of scripture for a moment. Uh, when Jesus speaks, the waves calm. The storm goes away. Uh, when God commands that a uh, sea monster vomit Jonah onto dry land, the sea monster obeys. But human beings break the word of God all the time. And yet, Humans have the greatest reason to obey. 
This is what God God is showing us in the scriptures here. He's showing us his compassion and his love for his people. He wants them to turn back to him. He wants them to be obedient to his word. And he wants Jonah to have his heart transformed to be that of one of compassion. More compassionate for a plant than he is for 120,000, in which most scholars believe that the the 120,000 here refers to children and it's more like 600,000 people, which we talked about previously. So so it wouldn't be right for us to to not to end this podcast and not look at at Jonah's heart and Jonah's attitude. I remember having a conversation with with a friend once and not really uh, saved at this point, not really fully understanding the sovereignty and compassion and grace of God. And he, he, would, he would ask me the question, and it seems like it's always that one question that comes about in discussion is, so what you're telling me is that somebody can be a murderer, and they can murder, 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 up to the day of when they're going to face the death penalty And just before that needle goes into their arm to take their life, they can repent of their sins and be forgiven. Yes. Yes, that's the way it works. And the response is, how is that fair? How is it that, you know, I'm living a good life, I'm... I'm doing great things. I'm nice. I'm nice to people. I love people. But that person can have entrance into the kingdom of God and and I can't. Well, the difference is repentance. The difference is being truly repentant and being washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Does this sound like Jonah? Ugh, I'd rather die than see those, those people live. And Jonah, Jonah is angry. But listen to listen to what what comes uh, through some a number of different cross references about how we as individuals who might be like Jonah need to deal, how we need to deal with that. First. First, let's look at Matthew chapter 5, verses uh, 43 to 48. Uh, this, this, this reigns, right? Some of these verses, I brought my friend through these verses because we, we needed to understand, first and foremost, that God is going to fulfill his will. He is going to accomplish the task. He is going to grip those hearts that he so chooses to grip. He's going to do that through his Holy Spirit. God chooses to use us to minister. But here's the very fact that here's what our attitude needs to be. 
Okay, our attitude in all of this is we need to be people who are, one, ready to go, and two, what, what about our heart? This is our heart. You've heard it said, verse 43, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of the Father who is in heaven, for he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Not even the tax collectors do the same. If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Did you hear it? We're supposed to love our enemies. We're supposed to have compassion like God has compassion. Romans chapter 12, verses uh, 14 to 21. Romans 14, we're looking at our attitude here. What is our attitude towards our enemies and those that God will have compassion on? Starting at verse 14, blessed are those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep for those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil to, for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap burning coals on him, on his head. Do not overcome evil. Uh, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Love your neighbor. Love your enemy. Have compassion on him. Don't do evil with evil. First John chapter 2. Trust me, folks, they get, they get more convicting as we go. First uh, John chapter 2, verses... 9 to 11. Listen to what John says. The one who says he is in light and yet hates his brother is in darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because darkness has blinded him. Okay? See? Do you see what's happening? When, when you say you are in the light, when you say you are a follower of Jesus Christ and yet hate your brother, are you really walking in darkness? 1 John chapter 3, verse 10. But this, the children of God and the children of the devil are, by this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious when anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. Verse 15, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, 
and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We know love by this, that he, set, he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. May our words and our actions match that we love. Uh, how, about, how about one more? James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. My brethren, if any among you strays from the truth and one turns back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from error, his ways will save his soul from death with the cover of multitude of sins. What we need to know is that God has compassion on those who are sinners. That God's heart's desire is for us to turn back. That God wishes for none to perish, but for all to come to him. And that God's desire for you and I is to not be like Jonah. That God's desire for us is to love our enemies. To understand that those who are out in the world that currently reject the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they are headed for the destination of wrath, eternal fire but that we should be people who have a heart of compassion like God. That when we are called to go and do something, that we do it without reluctance, but a heart of compassion, knowing that the message that God has given us has the ability, not our words, but the power and the message of the gospel has the power to transform a life and take them from wrath to life. And do we love our neighbors enough to do that? Is God calling you right now to go and do something like share the gospel with a family member, a neighbor, somebody who so desperately needs to hear the truth, but you are reluctant to do that? That you are questioning whether that's the thing that I really should be doing. Because through the book of Jonah, you can see that God just simply wants a heart of obedience. Do what I ask. Follow in my will. And God will accomplish great things. This is the call on our lives. You see, the book of Jonah does not end with any information further about Jonah. Have you ever just kind of sat back and thought to yourself, you know, is there a chapter missing? Is there a chapter missing in the book of Jonah? What happens to Jonah? Well, are you ready? This book... It's not about Jonah. 
This book is about God. This is about God's message of repentance and judgment and grace and compassion. This is all about God and his character. Jonah, there are great lessons that come from the life of Jonah in this book, but this book is not all about Jonah. We can relate to Jonah. There's no doubt we can relate to him. God calls you to do something, you run. You run in the opposite direction, and God brings storms into your life to to rebuke and correct you and bring you back in line. God calls you to obedience. When he calls you to do something, he wants you to go and do it. Why? For the purpose of his will. What's his will? His will is sanctification. His will is for people to be in his presence for eternity. His will is to see his creation repent. The key word in Jonah chapter 4 is the word compassion. Chapter 4, verse 2. Jonah says, God, I knew that you were gracious and you were compassionate, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness and one who relents concerning calamity. Chapter 4, verse 10. You, Jonah, had compassion on a plant which did not, you did not work and which you did not cause to grow and which, you came, which came up overnight and perished. Chapter 4, verse 11. Should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city which there are more than 120,000 persons? The book of Jonah is about the sovereignty of God. That God is in control of all things. That God's desire is for us to be obedient to him. Are you being obedient and following after what God is calling you to do? Is there something that you need to do today that God has been calling you to do that you have not been doing? Don't wait any longer. Get up. Turn the podcast off and follow what God is calling you to do. I love this book. I love the book of Jonah. Let me, let me just wrap this up for you and give you some of those key themes I gave you way back a number of weeks ago that come from this book of Jonah that will under, help us understand where, we're, where, we, where we are and where we're at. First, God is sovereign and he is in control of all things on this earth. Two, God is determined to get his message, the gospel message, to the nations. That there is a great need for repentance from sin in this world. That there is a great need for repentance from self-centeredness and hypocrisy 
in this world. And then we need to know and we need to understand that God will relent when his people repent. Do you see it all laid out there? It's all about God. God wants your heart. God wants the heart of those who don't follow after him. Get out there. Share the gospel with those that God is calling you to do so. One of my favorite sayings, and I have it in the front of my Bible, my job is to populate heaven and plunder hell. Are you doing it? Are you walking in obedience to him? Do what he is calling you to do. Let's watch our nation be transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's watch as God changes hearts one by one when we have a love for our enemies, when we have a love for our neighbors, when we look at them knowing that they are destined for wrath, but we want to see their lives spared, their hearts transformed. That's our mission. Let's get out and do it. Father, we do thank you for the time that you have given us in your word today. I pray, Lord, that as we, we uh, ponder and we think through those uh, things that you are calling us to do, the, the people that you are calling us to share the gospel with, that we would, we would step out and do that with great courage, that we would have boldness to know that you are at work in our lives, giving us the words that we need to share, but you're also working in the life of the one receiving the message, that no man comes to God unless you draw them to him. God, prepare the hearts of those you are calling us to share the message to. Just like when Jonah brought the message to Nineveh and they repented and you relented, we pray that this happens in our country. We pray that our country would turn back to you, that they would be like Nineveh, that we would see leaders on their knees begging you for forgiveness begging you to relent from your wrath that is coming. For Father, the world around us, we see the culture, we see what's happening, we see things that are going on in this world, and we know, we know that we are headed for wrath. We know judgment is coming. We see people walking further and further away from the truth of your word. We see people outright rejecting your word. And so we know we are like Nineveh. But God, I pray that you would raise up people that would share the message of truth, that repentance would come and hearts would be transformed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Preset Ministries, head to our website, at www.presetministries.ca.